Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you are well. You're ready to listen to two of us, two talking heads today. Um, if you don't know who I am and you're visiting, my name's Vaughan. I'm one of the pastors here at City. And this is my incredible wife, uh, Lorelei. We are married for 24 years this year. And we have three incredible children. Uh, the youngest is matriculating this year, so she's in the middle of uh, prelims. Um, those are some of the facts that you probably know about us uh, if you come to City for any length of time. But here's a fun fact uh, when it comes to uh, Lorelei and myself. Lorelei is actually four and a half years older than me. You would never say so, right? But you know what that means? That means that she is a certified cradle snatcher. You ask, you, you, you ask my kids uh, what they think about that age difference and all they can relate it to is, it's like you started dating dad when you were in matric and he was in grade eight. <laughs> Lorelei says no, she read an article. She read an article and it said that uh, men age quicker than women. And so uh, she's really uh, glad that she married a younger guy. Although I told her that that is an uh, old wife's tale. Um, it's actually not the truth at all. The truth is that men are actually more mature than women. And so we can marry up. And all the guys said, contrary to popular opinion, that's the truth, right? Yes, exactly. Anyway, enough of us. Um, because we want to focus on Jesus. Uh, Lorelei is the holy one in the family, and so she's going to pray. Lord, we want to thank you so much that we can gather in your name like this, that we can hear from you today. And I ask that every heart would be open to hear what it is that you want to say, what you want to impart, what you want to teach. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place to lead us into all truth and to teach us so that we would hear your voice, that our lives would not just be impacted by information, but you would transform us into the image of Jesus. This is your time, Lord. You have your way, and you do your work, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, we are in a series, and it's called Friendships and Other Relationships. We have had two weeks already. First week, we took a look at uh, friendships. This week, uh, last week, we look at, looked at singleness. And this week, we're going to be looking at marriage. If you missed the other weeks, I want to encourage you to get onto YouTube, take a listen. They were really great. But I hope uh, that as we speak and as you think about this series, you haven't missed a very important aspect of uh, what God is wanting to do in this series. Um, it's a series about relationships, yes, but more importantly, it's all our relationships, a display of Jesus. That means that this isn't a relationship series or a self-help relationship series. This means that God is wanting to take us higher as those who have various kinds of relationships. And today we're talking about marriage. He's wanting to take us who are married higher um, as Christ followers. He's wanting us to live out a greater purpose for our marriages than what we could if we were just ordinary people living in Dozy. See, it's a series where God is wanting our thinking about relationships to be shaped by devotion and love for Him. Actually, every single week when we come to church, and this is just a bit of an aside, we're not gathering on a Sunday to get some self-help tips, some life hacks from God to make our lives better. No, we're gathering because of devotion to Him. 
He gave his life for us, and we want to give our lives for him. And so when we come to sit under his word, we're not looking for tips. We're looking to obey his word because we know when we take his word and we do it, we end up with our lives displaying him, and we end up with our lives bringing him glory, and that is actually what we're after. And so before we can live our marriages as a display of Jesus, we need to know that marriage is not a social or cultural construct. That means we don't get to set the boundaries for marriage, nor do we get to set the purpose for marriage. Actually, God is the one who created marriage. He created and designed it, and He defines the boundaries, and He defines the purpose. The marriage relationship is a beautiful one. It's a beautiful one when we live it out of God's purpose and design. What it does for those who marry is it brings them much joy and it brings, brings God much glory. And so we're going to be looking at marriage under two headings today. The first is marriage is a design of God. And the second, marriage is a display of Jesus. Let's take a look at that first one. Marriage, a design of God. Genesis 1 verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Proverbs 18.24, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. And if you were here last week, I want to encourage you not to add on to the end of that verse. If you're single, that, uh, that little bit of scripture that we sometimes think, we sometimes think this is what it means. Favor with God to be married, but not when you're singled. You won't find that in the Bible. That's not the truth. Genesis 2 verse 24. <coughs> Sorry. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. These verses help us to see the following about God's design. That God created two genders, masculine and feminine or two sexes, male and female, that God created marriage. And that marriage is between a natural man and a natural woman. God sees marriage as a good thing, not a bad thing. Although I recognize that there's some people sitting in this room, and marriage has not been a good thing for you. Don't throw out God's heart for marriage in the midst of what uh, your experience of uh, marriage may have been. God created sexual intimacy for within marriage. This is God's good, unchanging design. It's affirmed in Genesis. It's affirmed by Jesus. And because it's affirmed by Jesus, we as elders of City Hope Church affirm this design too. Duncan spoke so well into this in a series last year called In His Image in week one, I would encourage you to go onto YouTube and take a listen for more detail in terms of what I've just been speaking. God warns us against pursuing what is right in our own eyes and not His. Proverbs 26 verse 12 says, do you see a person wise in their own eyes? Well, this is what God has to say about somebody like that. There is more hope for a fool than for them. God doesn't call a person a fool quickly. 
And so we are compelled to uphold God's design. We are compelled to uphold it as elders. We are compelled to uphold His design as followers of Jesus. What does this mean practically for us? What it means is that we love people, all people, just like Jesus did. But in the same breath, we don't affirm all lifestyles because Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't. Whether it is a sexually immoral lifestyle, whether it is a lifestyle given over to drunkenness and addiction, whether it is any form of sinful lifestyle, Jesus is not wanting to leave us there. He's wanting to take us out of it. That's why he doesn't affirm it. Doesn't affirm it. And so um, we will love you. We will walk alongside you. We will point you to Jesus and what he has to say in his word. But one thing that we're not going to do is change his truth so that you can feel loved. Do you want to know why? Because that would be the most unloving thing that we could do. It would be the most unloving thing that we can do because rebelling against God in an ongoing basis never brings long-term good. The Bible is clear. It brings destruction. Unrepentant sin always destroys. Real love, though, tells the truth, points to the truth, delights in the truth, and we want you to know the real love of Jesus. We don't want you to get a fake love that glosses over, leaves us in our, in our pit. We want to, you to know a real love that steps down into our pit and lifts us up out of it so that we can live for the plans and the purposes of God, so that we can live free and serve Him well. So maybe as Vaughn has been speaking now, you realize there's an area in your life where you have been going your own way, doing your own thing instead of doing things God's way. You are doing things that are right in your own eyes or doing things that are right in the eyes of society and not right in the eyes of God. And as you have stepped out of those boundaries, those safe boundaries that God has placed there for you, you are seeing the consequences of that sin and that disobedience in your life. Maybe there's a lady here today and you have moved in with your boyfriend and you thought in doing that you would feel secure and you would feel loved, but the very opposite has happened. You are feeling insecure and unloved because the longer he delays marriage, the longer you begin to question his love for you and his commitment to you and you wonder if he's not looking at some other options and so you constantly have to prove yourself. You have to constantly put your best foot forward because he might just leave you. So instead of feeling loved, you actually feel unloved and you feel insecure. And you feel that way because he has never chosen you. He has never said, you are mine and confessed that before the altar and said, this is the one that I choose. And so you would feel some of those feelings because you have stepped outside of the bounds of God. And maybe there are these questions in your mind where you think to yourself, you know, is he just, is he here for me? Does he really love me? Or is he just here for the sex and all the other conveniences that living together offers him? And so it creates that insecurity within you. And so has God pushed you aside has he written you off? No, he hasn't. But today he's speaking to your heart. And this is one example we're giving. Maybe there's some other examples that you can apply to your life. 
He has not forgotten. He is speaking to our hearts today and saying, come back into my safe boundaries for your life. Live in obedience and accordance with the word that I have given you. And so if that's you today and you're wrestling inside and you're saying, I want to do the right thing and you need some help, please catch us after the service, the gathering, or phone us during the week. But speak to someone and get this area aligned to God's word and to his best for your life. So marriage is God's design, which means that God also gets to define the purpose for marriage. And that brings us to our second point. Marriage is a display of Jesus. Ephesians 5 verse 31, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother, mother, be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. When Paul talks about marriage, he says men and women coming together is a profound mystery. And then he says to bring some clarity I'm talking to you about Christ and the church. In other words, marriage is a reflection, a picture, a display of Jesus and his relationship with the church. The purpose of our lives as believers is to display Jesus in every single aspect of our life, to bring him glory. And it's no different in our marriages we don't want to find ourselves in a place where sure, we're running fast after Jesus when we're single. And then we get married and it's all about the picket fence, all about having kids, all about, you know, whatever it might be. Not that God doesn't have some of those plans and purposes for us, but we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. If you're going to fall, fall and die on any hill, we want to die on the hill where we're going to make sure that this relationship of marriage displays Jesus. The other things can go. They're trivial. It's about displaying Jesus. So are you living all of your life to display Jesus? Or are you living ever increasingly in a way where your life displays Jesus? Because none of us have arrived, right? When you think about your goals for life, your goals for marriage, maybe your goal for the marriage that you hope to have one day, is God's purpose your highest goal. Pastor Lee says this, the purpose of marriage is not your happiness. Now the byproduct of marriage should be happiness, but that is not the purpose of marriage. The purpose of marriage is to glorify God. The purpose of marriage is when a man and a woman comes together, they have an assignment to fulfill a kingdom purpose. And the assignment number one is to reflect the image of God through that marriage. Now, if you do that right, you should, it should lead to happiness. But a lot of us go into relationships to find happiness, to find joy, to find meaning. You can only find that in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Only Jesus can give you that. Don't expect it from your spouse. It's not to say that they can't give you a little bit of that, but they can't fill the gap com completely. Only Jesus can. And so if uh, marriage is displayed, a display of Jesus, how, how is Jesus displayed through our marriages? He's displayed through love and he's displayed through mission. Yes, he's displayed through love in four kinds of ways. 
It's a love that is sacrificial. And I want to read from 1 John 3 verse 16. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. John 13 verse 35, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So if we want to display Jesus in our marriages, that love has to be a sacrificial kind of love that we display, not a self-seeking love. It's a love that puts our spouse first, and we are sometimes going to be put out. It's going to require that we lay down our lives and lay down ourselves. If we want to love like Jesus loved, it's not about the warm and fuzzies. It's not about the passion and all the emotion around love, and that is important as well, but it's not established on that. It takes a self-denial, a humility for, and, and a self-denial of obviously denying ourselves for the um, loving of the other person. So we don't come first. A, a Christ-like marriage seeks self-denial and not self-fulfillment. And when I speak about self-denial, denial, I'm not speaking about self-degradation or losing your identity to your spouse. But it is the same posture that Jesus had, the humility and the laying down of our lives for the sake of another one, that the other would feel love from us and also that we would reflect that love of Jesus to our spouse. So if self-fulfillment is our motive, then we are always going to be wanting a spouse that is low maintenance and that is never going to make any demands on us. But when Jesus is central and when we are wanting to display him, then we recognize through mutual or if we're wanting mutual fulfillment, there has to be a mutual sacrifice. And so that has to be at the center of what we do. So we reflect him through sacrificial love and also the second one, a love that is gracious. Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrates His own love for us. He shows us how much He loves us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So He's asking us to do the same thing with our spouse. That we would love them with all the imperfections. Jesus didn't wait for us to become perfect, to clean up our act. He loved us first. And so we need to love our spouse with their imperfections, and some of their behavior is going to be sinful. And we will have to have those candid conversations, those honest conversations. But they can happen. There can be a vulnerability and an openness to have those conversations when grace is present in the relationship. When there is much grace and where there is forgiveness and where there is acceptance. So it's grace that creates a safe space for us to be able to be vulnerable and to be able to speak the truth in love to one another. You know, sometimes we come to marriage wanting perfection from our spouse and we forget that we're imperfect. But we need to remember that it's two imperfect people coming together, both a work in progress, 
both very much in need of God's grace and His work in us. And so if we have received the grace of Jesus, and if we really understand what that means, we will be able to extend it to our grace, our, our, our spouse. And it's, it's not through gritted teeth. Yes, I'm battling. Sorry, man. Um, not through gritted teeth, but because we've understood and we have had the revelation that God has forgiven me much. He has had so much patience with me. How much more will I not have patience with this lovely gentleman by my side? <laughs> Offering me water when I need it. So we need to, if we want to display Jesus in our marriages, we need to be gracious towards one another. Vaughn will often say to me, if I pull him up about something, then he goes, I'm, I'm only human, you know. <laughs> and I think sometimes I am. I'm a bit of a perfectionist, and I'm expecting. And then I have to remind myself, no, <laughs> I'm not perfect. Why is it that I expect him to be perfect? Now, we need to extend grace to one another. In ways that he's extended grace to me over the years is that, um, as you know, I'm a little bit older, and I'm going through menopause. And so I've been extremely irritable at times, and so my family have been gracious towards me in, that time, in those times because I haven't been a very nice person until I found evening primrose oil, which works very well. And uh, I'm not as irritable as I used to be, but they've been very kind. And also when we cuddle at night and we lay Leopold, then, you know, one minute I'm freezing, I'm literally uh, shivering, and then the next minute I'm pushing him away and saying, I'm too hot to... And so the poor guy doesn't know whether he's coming or going one minute, and then he's next to me, and then he's away, and then he's next to me. And so that happened just last night, and he's just great. He goes, okay, you'll just move up or <laughs> move close, whatever he needs to do. So even when we're going through these times and we're not at, at our best, that we would be gracious to one another. So we show a sacrificial love, we are gracious. And then the third thing, it's a love that is covenantal. So a covenant is a binding promise made before God. A contract is an agreement with terms and conditions. But we have this covenant relationship. And it, when we're in covenant, it's about the relationship. It's about the other person. It's not just about what I want and what I can get out of this relationship. Like a consumer relationship. I'll stay here and I'll stick at it as long as I'm getting what the service provider can give me and I'm getting out of it what I paid for. So I'll just stay there. But if I don't get what I want, then I'm out. That is not covenant at all. Covenant relationship is for life. We give ourselves for life. And so because it's covenant, we don't take divorce lightly. And so there are only a few biblical reasons for divorce. And if you were here last week, Simon and Jen spoke, and Jen had gone through a divorce. And so she had biblical grounds for divorce, but she didn't just divorce immediately. She committed herself for, to counseling and to pursuing reconciliation with her husband. And only when all of those options were exhausted was she divorced. And so we are committed and we love one another because we have promised to love. And so Tim Keller says this, many people today think that love must be a response to spontaneous desire. 
and not a response to a legal oath or promise. We have made a promise and we love because we have promised to love and not because we feel like loving. And then the fourth one is a love that serves. And as we serve, we display Christ in our marriages. I want to read from Philippians 2, verses 6 to 8. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, and to, uh, sorry, come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom to many. This is the kind of servanthood that God is calling us to in our marriages. And Vaughan will often say when he is marrying couples and they're standing at the altar, he would say to them, you haven't come here to receive a spouse, but you have come here to give your life away to a spouse. And so I think we need to get this way of thinking into our minds that Jesus met our needs by laying down his life and not considering, considering himself or his own desires. And so we need to do that with our spouses. He came to serve us and meet our greatest need by laying down his life. And so this often means us losing our autonomy, losing individual freedoms, losing our own sense of fulfillment by choosing to forego what we want and instead serving our spouse. And so the way that we can serve our spouse is one of the areas is through sexual intimacy. And so I want to speak into this a little bit. I want to read from 1 Corinthians 7 verses 3 to 5. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except, perhaps by mutual consent, and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again, so that Satan will not tempt you, because of your lack of self-control. So we yield our bodies to one another in service. And so maybe you're newly wed and, or you're engaged and you're anticipating what intimacy will be like and you think that seems crazy to you because obviously you're always going to feel like sex, isn't it? But when you get busy and you have children, you realize you don't spend as much time being intimate as what you should be. And the reality is if you're going to wait until you both feel like it, there are going to be long gaps <laughs> that you are not intimate with one another. And so this is a very important part of marriage. Being intimate with one another is essential to a good marriage. It's an area in our lives that as married couples we cannot neglect. Yes, it is a physical act but it is actually an emotional act as well. It binds our hearts together. It keeps us close to one another. 
And so it's so important that we are intimate with one another on a regular basis. And something I learned um, after a few years of marriage, I always thought that for guys it was purely physical. Until one day Vaughn said to me, no, for me it is emotional as well. I love the closeness that it brings, you know, and that you experience during an intimate time. So it's so crucial if we're going to keep our hearts knitted together that we are intimate with one another. So I want to mention four things in this area. When we don't feel like sex, we yield our bodies to our spouse to satisfy their needs. That's what we need to do. That is for the sake of the relationship. And the second thing is that we're sensitive to the needs of our spouse, what they enjoy or what they do not enjoy in those times of intimacy. And that requires communication, which also builds the relationship. And the third thing is, we don't deprive our spouse of sex as a form of manipulation or punishment because they've hurt us or they haven't done something for us that we wanted. We don't use it to manipulate in any way. Then the fourth thing is, we are intimate regularly. And when I say regularly, I mean regularly. <laughs> Weekly, not yearly. Okay. So for some of you, you will think, well, we had sex twice this year. We're doing great. I'm saying you're not doing so great. So, and I know the ladies are saying, thanks, Lorelei, you just threw us under the bus. And the guys are going, yes, sister, preach it. But this is so important. It's so important. And I know for some of you, there are emotional barriers to that. That's why it's important that you have conversations and you get the baggage out of the way so that you can be intimate because that's what will make you even closer in your relationship. And so I want to say to the wives today that that headache that you have every time just before bedtime, it could be the very thing that's damaging your marriage or taking away from your marriage. Sort it out. Sort it out. I won't say much more than that. And then the husband's. Saying you're sorry for hurting your wife is very important. Maybe saying, darling, can I watch the kids for you for an hour so that you can go and have a nice long bath? Those are... <laughs> are you getting it, guys? So there's two suggestions of a very good aphrodisiac. Okay, use them. So we need to come together in intimacy regularly, weekly, because we want to build a relationship. We want to stay close physically and emotionally. But then, as this verse says, come together so that Satan will not tempt you. It's key. So that you will find your satisfaction in the marriage and not outside of marriage. There was a lot in there, man. I thought I might just uh, give the guy some tips on how to handle menopause. <laughs> but I actually don't have any tips. <laughs> but evening primrose oil seems to be working quite well so far. Uh, anyway. Okay. 
So he is displayed uh, through our love for each other, but he's also displayed uh, through mission. His mission in us and his mission through us. Let's look at that first one, his mission in us. God is at work in us. He is busy changing us to look more and more like Jesus every day. He's wanting our lives to be set apart for, for him. He's wanting to, to transform us so that every aspect of our life is more and more set apart uh, in terms of living for Jesus. Jesus is committed to our spiritual growth. And marriage, let me tell you guys, is wonderfully going to highlight our need for Jesus to change and purify us. Our impatience, our selfishness, our anger is going to regularly be on display for our wives to see. And if they're a good wife, they're not going to nag. They're going to tell us, listen, this is an area that you need to sort out. And they're going to help us to see that Jesus needs to change our hearts and work in our hearts. Now, I want to see a show of hands for this one. How many of you enjoy washing dishes? I'm actually surprised that there are any people in the room that enjoy washing dishes. Um, I am with everybody that left their hands down. I do not enjoy washing dishes at all after a long day and after a fabulous meal. The worst thing is to get to that sink and it's, it's, it's not even packed properly. It's like just pack it so that the cups and the glasses can be washed first, not the oily stuff. I've got to repack the whole sink before I can even stop, start washing the dishes. Anybody in that position? But all of that joking aside, that one is a big one for me to realize, shish, I'm selfish, man. Lorelei's made an incredible meal. She's been busy the whole day, just like I have been busy. And then I want to throw my toys out the cot when it comes to washing the dishes. And my son's sitting there as well. He can uh, verify it uh, in the council of two or three witnesses. <laughs> you will get thrown under the bus. <laughs> but here's the thing. When it comes to, to, to correction from our spouse, we don't want to see it just as criticism. Obviously, it's the, the way we go about it is important. But we want to see it as a grace from God that God would give us somebody to help us to become more like Him. We've got to start seeing it like that. The world shouts out, oh, sh sh shut that nagging wife up. No, Jesus says, hear from her and allow me to change your heart. That's what Jesus says. Anyway, I was uh, heading towards uh, marriage. It was the weeks leading up to, uh, to our marriage. I was busy reading a passage of Scripture, that one where Jesus is speaking, and he says, um, well done, good and faithful servant. So I got to the end of that devotion, and I said, Lord, that's my heart's cry. When I get to the end of my life, I want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And almost immediately I felt him drop in my heart, Vaughn, then you must uh, want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant for Lorelei first before you. And I knew exactly what he was saying. He was saying, Vaughn, be a husband who's going to play a part in spurring Lorelei on to spiritual growth so that God can say, well done, good and faithful servant, to her. I want to ask us, are there some husbands in the room today that are willing to say, I am spurring my, my spouse on towards spiritual growth so that she can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. 
I feel like God is saying we need to stand up and step up to the plate as husbands today. And we can't do it in our own strength. We need His help. But it's something that He has for us. We need to be committed to each other's spiritual growth. Why? Because Jesus is committed to our spiritual growth. This means that as a couple, we prioritize obedience to God's Word and the building blocks that He has given the building box that he's given us for spiritual growth. Let me say that again. We, it means we prioritize obedience to God's word and the building blocks that he's given us for spiritual growth. And here are some. And I'm not saying we need to get this perfectly right, guys. I'm not saying uh, that uh, this is not to put a heavy on us. But it's things like being in church weekly. I had regularly down. Regularly is relative these days. We should be in church weekly, if at all possible. There should be a good reason why we're not gathering with God's people. We should be in His Word daily, if it's at all possible. We should be praying regularly. And we should be building every area of our life and marriage according to God's Word. That means that He touches every aspect. We don't decide how we are going to parent and leave God out. We don't decide how we're going to do our marriage and leave God out. We don't decide how we're going to do our budgets and leave God out. We build and set our goals according to what He prioritizes. Because He knows that at the, we, we know that at the end of the day, He's taking us somewhere. And it's somewhere glorious. And it's for the sake of His kingdom. And He will be glorified and people will be saved. And we want to lock into that. I want to say this to those of us in the room that are not yet married. Don't wait until marriage before you start building and being obedient to these building blocks. Put it in place when you're single and you'll find it will be a, a foundation when you step into marriage. And then you'll build on that foundation and it will be a foundation for your kids when you have kids one day. Because we're not wanting to raise good, healthy kids. We're wanting to, to raise kids that are godly, who love Jesus and are going to make him known in the years when we have long, when we're in the ground. We wanting to raise kids who are going to be able to stand up for the name of Jesus. They're going to know hope because they uh, are attached to Jesus. We don't want to be a family that's oh, just about everything else that everybody else is about. It's not okay. It's not okay because they're not going to stand. They're not going to stand on a weak foundation. They only have one foundation to stand on, and we need to set the bar when it comes to that as parents, as husbands. Sure. So he's displayed through his mission in us, but he's also displayed in his mission through us. His mission through us involves playing a part in building his church, not a once-off part. You know what I've noticed? Sometimes we like to tick a box. I did it 15 years ago. Now, how's things going now? Are you still playing an ongoing part in building Jesus' church? Romans 12, verse 6 to 8 says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. If we or you are a couple that says we love Jesus, then serving in church is not optional. It's a must. Jesus has given us gifts and he wants us to use it. If we had read this 
passage, the whole one. It's in the context of using our gifts within the church, the body of Christ. If you're not sure what your gift is, serve Jesus or serve because Jesus served. And as you serve, you're going to discover what gifts God has put in your hands in order to build his church. So his mission through us involves playing a part in building his church. And his mission through us also involves reaching the world. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Matthew 28 verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything as I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You and I have been given the responsibility of being Jesus' ambassadors. I don't know why he gave it to us, because we get it so wrong, but he did. And we want to be as good ambassadors that we can be. We want to be those ambassadors. And I hope you're seeing this doesn't just apply to marrieds. This is actually to any believer. But if you're married, you want to continue applying this uh, to your life. And so we are ambassadors. And so we are ambassadors as a couple. We want to make him known in our spaces, our places, our relationships. We want to proclaim the good news of Jesus because when we proclaim the good news of Jesus and people hear about him, they are able to take a step of being saved. And Jesus is passionate about seeing people saved. Our marriages display Jesus through love and through mission. We display his nature and his, his, his character through love. And we display his saving and dying for the world through mission. There's some married people here today, and actually when you hear a preach like this, your heart feels sad and your heart feels heavy, because you're married, but your spouse is not yet a believer. I felt God uh, putting this heart, on, uh, this, this heart on my verse, this verse on my heart. Isaiah 59 verse 1 for you. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. I know for some of you, maybe you have been praying for years. I believe God is saying, my ear is not dull to hear. Keep praying because I am able to save. Won't you believe God again for the salvation of your spouse if they're not a believer? Let's uh, keep asking God because his ear is not dull. I'm going to ask you all just to bow your heads, close your eyes. You and I can have many goals for our marriage. Many of those goals are not bad in and of themselves. But Jesus is wanting those of us who say we love him, those of us who are married, to be honest with him today. If someone had asked you to write down your goals for marriage, would displaying Jesus have been on your list? Would your goal list have revealed that your marriage is all about the two of you and very little or nothing about the display of Jesus? He's challenging marrieds who love him today, challenging us to make displaying Jesus the highest goal for our marriage. And if that is our highest goal, then it can't just be a goal on paper. It must be a goal that's reflected in the way that we're committed to living as his ambassadors.
committed to building his church, committed to growing in Jesus, committed to loving each other with the love of Jesus. Jesus is not wanting us to, to adopt a legalistic list for our marriages today. Jesus is wanting to empower our marriages today. He's wanting to say, won't you look to the cross? Won't you look to see what I've already done for you? Because in fact, everything that we've been speaking about is what Jesus has done for us personally. Won't you let that empower you to imitate Him, to be like Him in your relationships, in your marriages, in your friendships, wherever you go as a person. Won't you allow Him to let what He has done for you on that cross, empower you to imitate and live out a life that brings Jesus glory and displays Him. And I'll ask you to stand as I pray for us. I said right at the beginning that God's calling us higher. He just wants us to commit to Him today. We might be a far way off. None of us have arrived. But where is he in terms of your goals? Is he an add-on? Father, I want to pray for myself and Lorelei. I want to pray for us in this room as marrieds of City Hope Church. But not just marrieds for every single one of us. Lord, that the highest goal on our list of goals would be to display Jesus, to bring him glory. Lord, Lord that our, our lives would be lived for that purpose to make you known, to proclaim the good news of Jesus that has done us so much good. Lord, where would we be without the love of Jesus? Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would be uh, uh, a church full of marriages that display Jesus. Lord, whether we are young on Sunday or whether we are out at a work function, marriages that display Jesus. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would love each other, that we would commit to each other's growth, that we will commit to, to, to mission, um, Lord, because you have great things for us to do. Lord, you're wanting us to be a part of it. Lord, won't you help us? Lord, for marriages in, in, in this room today that are struggling, Lord, I'm so grateful that you're just saying, I want to help you. I want to lead you forward. Lord, I pray for people in that place. Lord, that this would not be a burdensome message of do's and don'ts. But Lord, that they would see that if they put their hand in yours, Lord, you would, you would lead them forward. Lord, you would give them hope for their marriage. You would work in their marriage. Lord, I pray for that today. Lord, marriages that are so far down the road that they are feeling like they are going to divorce in the not-too-distant future. Lord, I pray that you would bring a halt to that today. Lord, I pray that you would do a miracle. Just simply because you're a gracious God who loves us. Lord, we've never deserved your love. We've never deserved your mercy. But we ask for it again today. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen.